1: Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so it's game week 24 in the middle of the season. Mo penalises non-owners once more and those holding up patiently were left face palming while those taking the risks to get him in came up trumps. To talk about risk today and many other FPL things besides, I'm joined by Nick. You alright mate?
0: Hey, Tom. yep, I'm in pretty decent spirits uh, trying to avoid those uh, January blues. Um, I'm enjoying life and uh, enjoying FPL as well. Uh, Just to say, of course, who we are, we are. Who got the assist? You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. And you can use Spotify, SoundCloud or whatever you'd like to listen and subscribe. So, yeah, this week um, I'll be talking over risk profiles using hits as a proxy for risk appetite, which is something we like to look at at least once every year. Um, I believe you've also put up a Twitter poll as well, haven't you, Tom?
1: Yeah, uh, we've got almost 2,000 responses to our poll earlier on. Uh, so, we'll say what percentage of the Swiss population share a particular profile traits and also give some stories, both from, our, from their testimonies and our own experience, to uh, reflect these kind of different risk profiles you'll bring up. Uh, features and questions will follow as always.
0: Yeah and I think um I've got a little bit of analysis of yourself Tom and the hits that you've taken this season which should be uh, should be very interesting when we get down to it in a little bit but um uh, we'll uh, save that I'm, for late we'll I'm... save that for later. Let's start with the uh, the game week reviews quickly. Um just to say we are recording during the Manchester City Wolves um, second half but we don't actually have any players involved with um just Doherty sort of sitting on the bench for both of us. So um if you want to start then Tom how did you get on?
1: Yeah, I've got fifty one. No matter what I do, it's never enough, Nick. It's like one week I'd, you know, take a hit to bring a player in, take a risk. The next week I uh, listen to the advice, which is good advice. It's all you know, so I'm not blaming anybody. It was my um, my decision to not do anything. But listen to the advice, held on. Well, Bamian completely absence with the captaincy against uh, West Ham with nothing there. Uh, Fabianski got me a nine-pointer. Uh, Luka Dean with his 12-pointer really saved the game week to some extent. But, you know, it's kind of a treading water for me at the moment. Really poor. I'm not getting anywhere. Uh, so, accordingly with this particular podcast and talking about my hits, I've already taken a minus eight, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> decided, decided to pull, i pulled the plaster. Um, so, Kane, who hobbled off at the end, has gone. Um, Martial has gone. Alonso's gone and Fabianski's gone in their place. Efferidge comes in goal, uh, Van Dijk comes in at the back for Liverpool kind of cover. I do have reasoning for why I bought Van Dijk, but we'll leave that until later. Salah comes in for Martial and Rashford comes in for Kane. So I was at 0.0 on Sunday. None of my players have any midweek action. So I thought, yeah, I'll just go for it now, sort it out. Can't live without Salah and my team anymore. Um, so I've just had enough of it, really. Now, how about you, Nick? How did you do? I know you were pretty happy with yourself last night.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I got 74 points. Um, so it looks like quite a big green arrow uh, for me, for sure. Um, there, was, there was a fire in Cairo. Salah, captaincy, delivered again. Um, Luca Dean got me 12 points. Uh, Fabianski got me nine. Robertson got me nine as well. Um, AWB even managed to pick up a few bonus points despite conceding twice. And also a couple of assists from Hazard and Pogba that helped uh, contribute to the to total. So, yeah, looking pretty good. Another green arrow, um, top 50k. Um, so yeah, I'm quite happy with that and uh, how the seasons are uh, progressing for me.
1: Yeah, you've had a, a very good time of it, haven't you, since kind of uh, that kind of crossroads to back in November, December mm-hmm. time. All uh, right, let's move on to the talking point, man. It is risk profiles. And we, we look at this once every season, don't we? And something that you looked at last year from your kind of financial services background. We both work in that industry. Slightly different jobs, but yeah, that, that's kind of what we do. And, uh, you know, risk appetite is something that you're quite interested in, isn't it?
0: When we look at risk appetite in FPL, we're looking at kind of how many hits that you've taken if you're a cautious player and don't take many hits. Or if you're an aggressive player and you you like to take regular hits, minus fours, minus eights in anticipation that the player you're going to be bringing is going to provide you that reward and significantly outscore the player that's being replaced by at least four points. Um, and, and we actually said it last year. I was looking through my notes from last year, and I said it last year that risk takers were often punished. <laughs> Kane Exiters were hit by a double hat trick, and Salah Exiters um, were hit by a return straight away. And again, this year, I feel like um, so some of the risk takers have been punished yet again, much uh, to the likes of yourself, Tom, and then um, telling Mo Salah, and then he got a hat trick straight away. But I, I guess with, with risk, when we talk about the financial industry um, you, see, you see sort of conservative investors they they tend to play it safe they kind of invest into funds and, and just kind of watch it grow whilst if you're an aggressive investor you might play a little bit more dangerously and invest in volatile assets um, you know cryptocurrencies perhaps or Bitcoin, And then you can see massive gains, but you can also see massive losses. So it is a highly dangerous strategy. But um, this sort of risk profiling, as we said, can be applied to FPL. And um, in order to do this, we asked on Twitter, didn't we, for people to count the total amount of hits that they've taken this season. And based on this, um, we were going to categorize them within a certain risk profile.
1: Definitely, like personality does play a role in it. Like, I, you you always get a bit annoyed, don't you, when I say, "Oh, you're a bit more of a conservative player than me." And um, but it's to a benefit, really, that, that continues to happen for you. Like it seems to have worked out these last couple of seasons for us. Uh, without going on too long and drawing everyone into a lullaby, like over the last two seasons, my uh, my my more laissez-faire approach hasn't really been working, has it, Nick? I know you've had a look at our uh, our hits this season, and you're about to hit me with some knowledge, which is going to make me very upset.
0: Yeah, we'll be uh, having you in a little bit, but I thought um, it might be good for us to go through the different categories and then look at the different examples, and we'll get we'll get to you when we reach the uh, the end categories. Just to, oh. just to keep you in a lull for a little bit longer, perhaps. Uh, if we, shall we start though, Tom? With cautious risk takers, so these are people who've only taken zero to four hits so far this season, up to sixteen points in total. So. Players with, I guess, a cautious risk profile, they're less likely to gamble too much with their portfolio. They're more likely to sit tight and keep faith in the players they've invested in, even if they're going through a poor patch. A couple of examples, key examples that really benefited the cautious investors this season have been Salah and Robertson. Hanging on to those guys, despite a bit of a lull in the mid-season, has really paid off as they've continued to deliver points, especially in the second half of the season so far. But then other players perhaps the cautious investor should have sold by now. Um, One key player actually that um, I'm using as an example in this case is is Marcus Alonso. I've always practised and preached patience with this guy to a certain extent, but maybe it was time to get rid of him. And if you were, you know, if you did take that um, gamble and sold him like you have now, Tom, perhaps you could have sold him to Luca Dean or, um, you know, TAA and invested two million back into your midfield, you, you would be sitting quite pretty right now.
1: I watched Michelle's game actually I think David Luiz was the one that I actually really liked some of the balls he was picking were absolutely fantastic um, but in terms of the social media poll Nick for the cautious risk taker the majority of people claim to be this 43% of people said they were cautious risk takers had taken four hits or below this season at Floyd Matty Matt said you need to pick your battles when you need to which is certainly something that people in this category fall into so Josh from Always Cheating and James from Planet FPL shout out to the podders and um, have both embraced patience this season it's really worked out for them. Um, um you mentioned a minute ago that um, patience can sometimes actually not be the best thing. So Rich Nyquist, our friend, who uh, was doing very, very well earlier on, said that he was patient um, with everything that he did. But his patience saw him miss out on buying Salah back and United Halls, amongst others. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a case of stable management um, versus take it, taking risks, as you said, like being careful with your portfolio. And like, do, do you think this is a style of management which has gained ascendancy this season?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I did some analysis of some of the players at the top, it was actually quite surprising how few hits that they'd taken. Um, I looked at Magnus Carlsen, who's um, sitting in 111th at the moment, for instance. He's only taken one hit so far this season. Um, Number one in the world as well has only actually taken three hits um, this season. So they would fit into this category right now. But I guess sometimes... With these guys, you have to look at it to a certain extent that in what you know, what's not broke, um, don't fix it essentially. And if it, and the number one in the world scored 127 in week and ninety-six in um, week two. And I, I think if I was in that situation, I wouldn't be in too much of a risk to to take hits as well. Um other people on Twitter, FPL Bjorn's an example, someone doing very well, out three point five K in the world, and hasn't taken a single hit all season, which I thought was quite impressive. So um these guys have sort of sat with their original team seeing them perform brilliantly from the start and now sitting very comfortably, not having taken um, taken many hits.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of the time, kind of as people who do this sort of thing, we do tend to sit on the court side of caution, don't we? Like when we're advising other people, like a lot of the time what I say is, oh, you've got a good 11 there. Um, you know, you can you rely on at least, you know, one of the sacrosanct come off the bench, just roll that extra transfer or do that. And it seems like people are kind of becoming more and more aware of it. I think last year, most people were, Uh, in the five plus risk section. So it's interesting to see people move towards kind of cautious play and maybe it's just the case that things have been so up in the air apart from a few individuals that has forced people to just kind of stick with it like neil murray said that he had a very very good start for example Um, and then since then as you said it hasn't been broken so he hasn't had to fix it um so yeah very well done to people who have uh, managed to exercise caution and for those people it's worked out for i suppose but should we move into the more dangerous kind of
0: yeah so the next category is, is the moderate risk takers these are people who have taken sort of five to eight hits so far this season, um up to 32 points, 20 to 32 points um worth of hits taken so far. So these players with, I guess, a moderate risk profile will take some gambles, but also often have a number of heavy hits as highly owned players within their squad. They're most likely captains or Kane and Salah, I guess, but uh, maybe tempted by the odds differential captain every so often. Some players uh, took a gamble at the beginning of the season to bring in Sterling. who had ridiculously low ownership around game week four. And um, taking that gamble, for instance, at the beginning of the season, which would be the action of a moderate risk taker, would have uh, propelled many uh, managers right up to the top um, top 50K or so from his uh, back-to-back return. So there's, there's a few people in this category, including myself, actually, Tom, I'm in this category as a moderate risk taker with 24. You, you were technically in this category, but and having taken a minus eight, I reclassified you no, for the enough. next for the next section. Yeah, I know. Um, we've got a few other people. Chris FPL awesome has oh, taken 24 points worth of hits so far. He's had a great. He's having a great season as well. So yeah, lots of people falling into this category.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's the first two percent, so the second most fallen into category. Um, Andy from Let's Talk FPL and Tom from FPL Center, for example, both of them have taken seven. But Andy mentions that you know back in 2016-17 he took twenty-four hits and that was his best ever finish So it's going to do well, even if you do take a lot of hits, I guess, is what he means.
0: Yeah, I mean I did a little bit of analysis on my own hits this season. I think my first one was in game week three, where I brought in Michalis and Alonso and David Silva and Michal hasn't got himself sent off but an um, 11-pointer from Alonso still managed to make it a decent trade but most of my um, hits haven't actually paid off to be honest, you know I've been sort of doing a bit of premium ping pong. Like for instance, in game week twenty one, when I brought in Hazard and he he proceeded to blank. I think Sané and I sold Sané, who returned in game week thirteen. I was sort of moving around Sam Vokes in and out, and you know there was a few dodgy trades that were going on around that point. And um, game week twelve was a minus four, bringing in Manny and Vokes and Madison and Mitrovic. And that was actually when I hit a little bit of a slump, um, mm. which I've managed to pull myself out of more recently. So yeah, I think definitely when you sometimes when you take a hit you, you get that kick and you have to take another hit to sort out your previous hit, and it can uh, result in in too many mistakes in a row happening and um, losing out on quite a few points especially if you kind of you know get yourself into a spiral to a certain extent and just keep trying to take hits to to chase those points
1: yeah no i completely understand that they are very moorish as the joke has said and i've actually got a stat for unit did you know that i have more game weeks where i've done nothing than you do so uh, you've actually only got six game weeks where you haven't made a transfer, or as I've like got eight. Um, which is quite interesting, really, if you think about it in terms of like the fact that I've probably say, lost more points and hits, but there have there have kind of been times when you've been perhaps more knee jerky with moves like the Vokes move, perhaps like taking him in and out. Which, uh, as you said, were happening a lot more when you had your slump and now when you've relaxed on it a little bit and you're able to roll the transfer of a strong team like this week, you kind of gone through that period. Like, Do you think that sometimes you do have to go through a period of taking a lot of hits to just get back on the front foot, as it were, and maybe to catch up with other people in their leagues who have key players in situ? Do you think that's a good strategy?
0: Um, To to a certain extent I mean you have to assess really the quality of the hits if you have a bad game week you start to focus and look at the differentials to try and catch yourself up and then you bring in those differentials and then surprise surprise those differentials aren't picked or they don't play or they perform badly and and you wonder why you brought this person in and then you you take out that differential to to bring in another differential and you often see those players all in and out of your team very quickly and I think that's why. I meant when I started talking about going into a hit spiral, as in you're you're taking hits, you're taking more gambles, you're looking at riskier assets. Um, you know, I think like Kevin De Bruyne, for instance, example for yourself, trying to to think, oh, this guy might be you know a good pick for my team when in fact he, he's not in form, and and there were much better options out there at the
1: time. I've got a new strategy really to to sort this all out, which is different from that strategy. Um, I completely. I kind of went down the KDB road, didn't I? And I kind of started thinking, this is what I did last year. Remember with Alexis Sanchez and all that kind of rubbish. So I, I had a bit of an epiphany through making that over-optimistic move, shall we say, uh, which I'm going to explain in a minute. But you know, on the subject of uh, unnecessary hits hurting you, I believe you've got my numbers in the next category.
0: I have. So we're going to start talking about aggressive risk takers. Um, and these are players that have taken up to 9 to 14 hits in the season, up to sort of 36 to 56 points oh. lost because of hits. And um, you fall into this category now with your 40 uh, points worth of hits taken. Um, another person who falls into it is um, our good friend from our Slack group, uh, Neil Gupta, who's also taken 40 points worth of hits. And um, so a player with an aggressive risk profile, more likely to take Chances on high risk assets. This could be a player who is a differential, perhaps isn't in the template, but could easily see you make huge gains. And I guess um, examples from this season can can include the aforementioned KDB and also Robert Firmino. They're more likely to make early chances in order to gain value, even if it is breaking the Austin rule. Um, aggressive players will do the analysis, look at the players in questions, know there is a chance that the player they are selling could haul but are willing to hedge their bets on a punt that the replacement will do better than the player they are selling.
1: Yeah. That sounds about right. So uh, what, what are the numbers then, Nick? Do I want to take my headphones out for it? Mean, maybe. Yeah. Maybe should <laughs> take your, your headphones out. But um, Mm -hmm.
0: actually, you're doing all right for hits, um, Tom, actually, up until game week six. So that was the first hit you took um, of the season. I think it's perhaps because you you did an early wild card as well. Um, And this was um, a swap to Pedro and Aubameyang left your team. Uh, I think Aubameyang ended up hauling for a couple of game weeks after this. Yeah, he did. Um, And Hazard and uh, Mitrovic came in. But um, you actually broke even in terms of your hit that game week uh, because Pedro... And Orbit, Orbit didn't do anything. So you got um, 11 points um, as opposed to the seven that you would have got. So a, an even break there. In, um, in Game Week 7, you then took another hit. And I, I think it was another sensible one, actually. It was a bit more tidying. You're getting rid of the injured Mendy. you, you were sending Tom Ken and he wasn't doing anything. And you brought in Matt Doherty and uh, Richardson, who I think are both still in your team. So, you know, a great move on paper. Doherty got you 12 points that week and it was um, a plus 10. Um, points overall in terms of that transfer, which which kind of made sense at the time and looks pretty good, right? Um, so yeah, not not too bad so far. Uh, <laughs> after, uh, after that uh, game week fifteen, so yeah, big gap again. So game week fifteen, uh, Anderson and Aubameyang came in for Martial and uh, Agüero, uh, but. It was actually a really poor game week for you this time around. You, you only got four points from those guys and uh, you got a game week rank of 4.7 million. And, and Martial actually picked up seven points. So you left in um, a seven point deficit after that hit, uh, uh, which is yeah. unfortunate. And I think this was a sort of downward spiral because <laughs> <laughs> after this, this is the uh, the famous game week 16 where your season basically became unraveled. This one you sold Robertson, uh, Mo Salah and uh, Marco Anatovic and brought in Alexander-Arnold, Sane and, and Kane. Mm. um and TAA didn't play um Sane got one point Kane got one point meanwhile Salah got a hat-trick and, uh, <laughs> and Rob Robinson got 11 oh, points against Bournemouth so,
1: <laughs> so depressing to hear
0: and that was a that was a 40 point mistake oh so by those transfers we took a minus eight as well he got punished by 40 points in total Absolutely, um yeah. Yes, and not good at all. But I think you got put off hits for a little bit at least then. With the game week 19, was your next one. Fabianski for Edison, uh, De Bruyne for Sterling, and, and Martial for Kennedy. So. Kind of differential territory again, they're experimenting. Uh, but three from Fabianski, two from KDB, and I think Martial was sick actually that game. Yeah, Good he was. Yeah,
1: uh, I got a one off the bench for a clean sheet.
0: Yeah, I mean, luckily, the, yeah, luckily the players you sold didn't do much either. So, Sterling Blanks, at least. So, mm-hmm. you ended up just sort of like, I mean, including the one Bersaka, you kind of points you ended up kind of breaking even or minus two overall, but <laughs> uh, you know, but yeah, not great. And then uh, your final hit excluding this one, was in game week 21. Uh, Pogba for De Bruyne, which kind of made sense, I guess, at the time, and Hazard um, for Sane. But Hazard and Pogba actually proceeded to blank, and and Sane, of course, scored that week. So it was a 10-point mistake, that one.
1: So it's 52, 54. Fifty-four points yeah, lost. Yeah, is it? yeah, about that. Yeah, 50 Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. So depressing, isn't it? Like, take—I I don't know. It's, it's like the—I try to laugh about it, but it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's quite annoying, isn't it? That if you take—if you take risks, um, it's definitely something that can happen. Like, um, you know, Mark Sovens, for example, fits in this territory as well. Nine hits taken, but he's on a much better manager than I am. A few people who have also mentioned uh, in the, they're in this category, uh, Miss WP and Stu Lord, they both burned forty-eight and fifty-two respectively. They say, you know, circumstances, FOMO and price chasing are what kind of gets them going. Uh, same with Andrew Yee and Machiet, Um, You know, they've taken that, that that amount of hits. and they don't see it as points burnt, they see it as kind of doing a better example uh, than the players that they've sold. Um, and, yeah, I think I definitely with, with Salah, I think I definitely miscalculated that one, so the very least. And, uh, yeah, a few other people have said, you know, for example, if a player gets injured or whatever, that are sometimes forcing to hit, which is more kind of fair enough. But, yeah, getting them wrong this year has been... My Achilles' healed to some extent, hasn't it? Um, in fact, you know, in in the past, I think I had a much better better sense of when to just uh, when to take hits and bite the bullet. And last year, what I did at this point was take hits, but take hits for differentials. And as you noted, I started to do that again with Martial and KDB. So I've kind of moved away from that path. And the the, the kind of whole idea now is just template armor against uh, people in my area. So you know, down at 500k or whatever horrible rank I am now, I'm guessing that having more template players and other people will be better for me. I've got like, most of the high-performing players in my team now and hopefully that will uh, see me come to light over the next kind of three or four weeks. But I want to say it's the first time I've really looked at my team and felt happy with it. And I should have just reversed the most Salam move a lot earlier, but I was trying to stick to my strategy and you know, sometimes it's just about you know, a good manager, I guess, would judge that it's not really working and I need to get rid of it. And I think I stayed on that for far too long.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes it's about maintaining composure. I think you you had a lot of composure, actually, to not bring in Mo Salah the last few weeks after his his holes. I'd have been tempted to just transfer him straight back in and get rid of the players that you brought in. But you, you resisted to a certain extent, um, which um, I guess may, may, means that you didn't fall into the, ne- the next category that I think we're going to briefly talk about, which is the um, extreme risk taker. And these are players that have taken 15 plus hits so far this season. Um, 60 plus points in total lost overall and anyone anyone who's taken 15 plus hits this season would have would done at least 36 transfers this season excluding the wild card and therefore has been interchanging with the squad pretty constantly pretty regularly one blank for their players and they're out there Form players may not even find themselves safe as if they have a bad fixture or bad game or whatever they they're straight out and and these These players are kind of point chasers and they've got a bit of an addiction to hits um, and transfers. And it can often end up, sadly, to the detriment of the team, but can also help um, build uh, money for the second half of the season. When you've got that second world card, they might have a lot of money um, saved up by that point.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I've got to mention that 16% of people were in my uh, my demographic and just 10% of people are self-proclaimed extreme risk takers So, a couple willing to come forward here. Uh one's FPL Classico, taken 19 hits so far. He tried playing conservatively, but didn't sue oh. him. He took a 20-point hit two weeks ago and bought in uh, Pog, Haz and Son as part of that uh, 20-pointer and he gained 43 points from doing that. So he's got lots of, uh, lots of cash in the bank now and wouldn't play any other way. Uh, but I think a lot of the time, extreme risk takers, they are people who are in their debut season. Uh, for example, Sino wrote in so this is his first season, he took 48 points of worth of hits in the first 10 game weeks alone. Uh, but he's tried to slow it down recently and he's gone from 1.5 million to 300k through uh, not bleeding those points every week. Uh, so yeah, quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of examples of, of players. I think in in the more conservative categories, there are a few like myself who can't help ourselves. But it definitely seems that you know, with with seventy five percent of people who responded to our poll saying that they've taken less than eight hits this season. Um, it kind of seems like that's kind of part the course, maybe 6-7, something like that would be kind of bang average, wouldn't it, Nick? Of active players, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, probably about that amount. And I think this season we've actually been quite lucky as well in terms of injuries. We haven't really seen too many injuries to those premium assets, the likes of Hazard, Sterling, Salah, you know, Sane, Kane up until now, um, all of Yang as well all of them have generally stayed fit for the entire season none of them have been dropped too heavily or missed too many games um, and the same with some of the premium defenders a lot of us have basically had template defense um, for quite a while now and haven't really had to to make too many changes as, as the defenders have stayed in form and, and I think that's sort of helped to a certain extent in terms of reducing the hit counts but then there has been like sort of interchanges of all the premium assets and which ones to bring. So I can understand the opposite end of the scale where people are are, you know, chasing those points because you you bring in Hazard and and Sterling will get a brace and you bring in Sterling and then, you know, Ramiyang or Kane will get a brace and you're just constantly shifting and rotating. But I don't necessarily think with all the minus fours that rack up on the back of that, that for me, I I don't necessarily think it's the best strategy personally.
1: No, definitely. No, I think you know with each, with each minus four. If you look at it individually, the player that you're bringing in has to score what seven points, isn't it, for you to get a positive benefit out of that? If Four points are lost, and then two points on top of that for appearance. And then they've got they've got to do something else to eat up the hit, and then something else for you to get like a positive. So it's like a goal and one bonus point for a striker, a goal from a fielder, and a clean sheet and a bonus point for a defender. Like that's that's quite a lot actually to ask for. And sometimes, you know, taking taking hits, I think the mechanism, what that's for is just to try to get yourself back on track to some extent. like I think it can kickstart your season. Like If you are doing very well, like definitely be conservative, be cautious and definitely preach that outwards. But if you're not doing particularly well, sometimes it, you've, it can be a good idea just to pull the plaster off. Like, as you mentioned, I went without taking a hit from O'Sala for many weeks. And this week was the straw, but the camel's back, really, because I left it. Uh, hoping that Aubameyang and uh, Hazard would cover, and plainly they didn't. And then uh, owners are sitting there with, uh, with double digits again. So it's um, yeah, it's a t- it's a tough one. But every now and again, I think you've just got to bite the bullet. And hopefully, I've done that this week, and I've hopefully got quite a good team now. Hopefully, just uh, attack for next come two or three game weeks.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think you're, you're pretty set up as well now with Kane um, obviously injured. I think that's probably to the benefit to a certain extent in terms of trying to fit all these players into one team, though no, you do have to worry about that Manchester City um, ghost behind your back.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about that later, but I'm not, I'm not particularly concerned about that, to be honest. Um, but, you know, it's some people for some people, if you are doing pretty well and you're kind of got a good team now and you've just got a chance to make a move with Kane's money then I don't see why not we'll talk about that later anyway and the final bit here is about the influence of personality in it which I think is quite important we have spoken about that a little bit too uh we rogue said I think this always comes down to your personality and your risk appetite as we've mentioned do you feel like you're naturally cautious and that kind of helps you with your FPL decision making Like a lot of the time you will just let something slide whereas I inclined to to make the move? I don't even know
0: if I would describe it as cautious I'd say I'm I'm naturally quite relaxed in terms of my situation and I'm happy to kind of to wait and see to a certain extent you know I've always I mean, I'm I'm even keeping Alonso now, and I've always kind of preached, um, you know, caution. Like I said, if a player blanks, I'm not too worried. Perhaps, um, you know, I expect them to return. I look at their fixtures, and I think actually their their run isn't too bad. Chelsea, for instance, they've got Arsenal away, and on paper that looks like a tough fixture. But we all know that Arsenal have been crap defensively this season, haven't yeah. they? So, so you know, it's easy a, a game where um, Alonso could get a return, as far as I'm concerned um and yeah I think sometimes as well with yourself like I know you spend a lot more time on social media and sometimes I think that social media can have an adverse impact in terms of the des- decisions that you make because you read so much and you know it's a echo chamber as well so you, you'll see you only see one person say oh it's time to get rid of Alonzo you'll see 20 people say it's time to get rid of Alonzo and you'll you'll see 20 people say it's, it's time to bring in um i don't know whether it's popular this game week at the liverpool defender and seeing it so many times does have that impact on you whilst i'm quite often too too busy to to keep up with the social media
1: oh why can't i be you? i just think that you're, you're right though i think you can definitely like subconsciously it can definitely affect you like i think there's lots of examples of people who have gone on social media for the first time and just uh, like myself had a pretty poor kind of debut performance but we will see I mean hopefully it will get better over the course of the season but I think if for managers generally the point of looking at this is just to think about your typology be mindful of it I don't think you're going to really change it I mean there have been a few good examples of people who have just swapped to being quite conservative but you know I wouldn't say that you're stuck in one. I think that for me, for example, hopefully I'd like to be in Nick's category go in, in the future and have a good team. It was just that because of my own self-inflicted mistakes, it's taken me a while to get there. But you know, managers, just be mindful of who you are as a person and try to um, think about that when you're taking hits. Like, think about: is this actually viable? Is this really going to, for the long term, be beneficial to my team?
0: There are advantages and disadvantages to to both um, scenarios. I would, I would perhaps just preach patience, as I as I keep saying. You know, like often with players, you can see that they they're blank one game week, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're suddenly out of form. You know, for instance, the underlying stats with Mo Salah, they were always there for me. Um, you know, underlying stats for other players, you can see. Okay, he might have um, got a blank, but. You know, he created a lot of chances still. He, he looks aggressive. I said it actually with Luke Kadeen, um last game week. A lot of people criticising him. And I said, actually, this guy's been pretty damn decent this season. You know, he's top for chances created for all defenders. Everton have a really good fixture run. And I even said it about with um on the other side, to be fair, um, saying, oh, no, Everton have a really good fixture run. He's got decent stats. But he he's the other side that he blanked and, and people are still selling him off. But I always say that, you know, just just try and look at the bigger picture as opposed to always going with the crowd or going with the market forces because the market forces um, isn't always right
1: yeah exactly okay let's take a break there nick and then we'll move on to the feature section who got the assist who got the assist all right, so, we're back and we're going to go into our feature section now. This is our weekly update of three key things. It's the market forces, the zombie league, and it's the all England team. Uh, the first thing this week is market forces, of course. So, the game we just finished, the Jimenez uh, came off at half time as well, which will frustrate many people, uh, considering he's, uh, he's featuring in our NTI data, isn't he, Nick? And as always, you're the man across the numbers. What are you seeing?
0: This game week, it's United, 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 as um, Rashford and Pogba lead the way in terms of the most transferred in players, uh, um, with uh, over 190,000 transfers in for Rashford, uh, which you're part of that club, and I possibly am going to be very shortly as well, and over 150,000 transfers in for Pogba. And, yeah, Rashford is just absolutely smashing it, isn't he? Um, he's had uh, four goals and two assists in, in the last five games, uh, which is, you know, since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer joined the um, the management side. And he's just been brilliant. It, I think it's mad. It feels crazy to say that I went basically half a season without owning a Manchester United player. I mean, it has been such a transformation, hasn't it? And with United, they've got Brighton at home, Burnley at home, Leicester away. Fulham away is their next four before Liverpool at home. That's just a, that's a really great run of fixtures, isn't it? It's definitely, I think, time to to double up on United and go with both both Rashford and Pogba in your teams.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think those two at the price point they are is just it just becomes a bit of a no-brainer, doesn't it, to buy them in? Uh, Rashford, as you've mentioned over the last kind of few game weeks, has really taken off. Like uh, already at twenty-five percent ownership, and after three returns in a row, two double-figure returns as well against Bournemouth and Newcastle, uh, with two home fixtures against Brighton and Burn need to come. Uh, you know, he's in the top uh, top five at the moment for uh, attempts uh, overall. He's also top for shots on target amongst forwards with ten. And just from in the top five for pen box touches. And I think the versatility of Rashford is very good as well. So people are mooting that maybe he might be a rotation risk for Lukaku. I think what will happen is that Rashford will play alongside Lukaku or Lukaku will be on the bench. I don't think we're going to be seeing Rashford uh, dropped out of that side anytime soon. Um, And, you know, I think some people may even be looking at him as a captaincy option versus Brighton. Yeah, definitely. I think he's
0: definitely worth um, looking at and considering as a captain's option for sure in the current form that he's in. Uh, But there's another player that you've also brought in um, who's another captaincy option, and that's Mo Salah. Um, So he's he's appearing on the market forces again um, with over 75,000 transfers in, I think managers like yourself perhaps try to get away with one more game without him but of course he punished yet again with an 11 point return so that's now four double figure returns in five game weeks and yeah he's just absolutely smashing it and he is he is a must own and its, it's i know he's very expensive he's He's, I think he's now up to 13.4 million, but just um, you just have to fit this guy into your team. It's, it's not possible to cover him with Mane like people talked about at the beginning of the season. It's all about Mo. He's got the best stats and he's, he's probably the best player in the league as well.
1: Yeah, and as you mentioned, the ownership is now what the real killer is. So anything he does, um, if you don't have him captain, is is just an absolute pain. <laughs> absolute pain. Um, so, yeah, I think you know, there's a viable option to bring him in as I'm doing. and just going to perma-captain him, really. Have Hazard and Aubameyang as being my two kind of supports for him. But, yeah, the stats are out of this world. And being without him is just FPL suicide at the moment, really. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, The other player that you just mentioned was Jimenez um, and a lot of people breaking the Austin rule here, transferring in players in between days, in in between games, aren't they, Tom? Um, He's had over 50,000 transfers in and considering he just played a 45-minute sesh against Manchester City, it's it's a bit of a surprise, to be honest. I think a lot of people, perhaps, will, will be regretting that one. They're now thinking, "Ah, what's is, what's going on with this guy?" And their walls have been linked um, to strikers in, tra- in the um, transfer window as well. And I think their uh, walls fixtures they're mixed. You know, they've got Leicester at home, uh, West Ham at home, Everton away. Um, then it's quite good after that. Actually, to be fair, Newcastle, Bournemouth, Huddersfield, Cardiff. But yeah, a bit of a strange one, I guess, to see him so high in the market forces. But it's probably because of his quite um, kind price that he's cost 6.4 million. So, you know, he's quite cheap in that regard.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people may be um, bring him in for Kane, for example, to mm-hmm. try to um, get those kind of midfield upgrades elsewhere. I mean, as Adam uh, Hopcroft said last week, uh, Wolves may struggle if they don't get very much space at home. So, Leicester and West Ham were games that he owned him at 5.5. So, he was saying, yeah, I'm leaving him. And you can understand why. Um, but, if you're, bringing, if you're thinking of bringing him in, maybe you'd think about that a little bit more. Um, but the fixtures are there and there is definitely basis to be buying. It's just after that 45 minutes again taken off. Maybe and Nuno's going for a different team shape or something against City for damage control and maybe it'll be the him knows it be all right. But with them being linked to strikers in the transfer window, you've got to keep an eye on that, I suppose. Um, the final guy in the risers this week is Samir Nasrinik, uh, the of a new Snodgrass. Uh, after one game, one assist, uh, he's been brought in by forty-seven thousand managers already. I mean, West Ham's fixtures have trailed off a little. They got Bournemouth, Wolves, and uh, Liverpool in the next kind of three. So you now I've got Philip Anderson. I'm keeping Philippe Anderson for the Bournemouth game after that I may be kind of thinking about moving them on they do have some decent pitches, to come 26-27 against Crystal Palace and Fulham and 29-31 Newcastle Cardiff and Huddersfield so you can definitely see a case for a long-term hold there Nasri looks a lot fitter and a lot better than I thought he'd be after a while out and they said during the game he'd been playing for a month with this West Ham first team and he looked like he was quite in the groove didn't he really playing with them so um you know if Arnautovic goes it may be that he and uh Philippe Anderson, assume the mantle of talisman at uh, that club and a new grass is born, Nick, potentially. Yeah,
0: potentially. I mean, at 5.5, he's quite kindly priced. There's not too many assets that look particularly good at that price range. So I can understand the appeal of um, You know, a shiny new player as well uh, back in the Premier League after, after an absence of a few years. But um, yeah, in terms of the transfers out, a, a player that's close to me, um, Pengmin Son, sadly, uh, is topping the uh, transfers out this, this game week with over 260,000 transfers out, which is obviously no surprise um, as he's going away. He's on international duty now um, and not going to be back for a few game weeks at least. Um, it was more of a surprise to see so many people transferring him in, actually, uh, which was over 1,000, I think, within a few hours of the, the uh, transfer window opening again. But uh, yeah, Son Son's out, um, 260,000 transfers out. Um, a lot of people perhaps looking at the likes of Pogba or on even nazari and, you know, experimenting, like you said, um with uh, players around that price point. But um yeah, also um the other player being quite heavily sold actually is, is one you opted to keep in the end Tom Nascopamiang. Um he's had over a hundred thousand transfers out. I'm considering selling him um for Rashford and uh, yeah, so Arsenal have Chelsea at home. Up next, then it's Cardiff at home, Manchester City away, and then Huddersfield away. So you know, tough fixtures, but then a couple of quite, quite nice fixtures intertwined. So makes it quite a challenging decision in terms of um, buying or selling over at this moment in time.
1: We look very poor, didn't we, against West Ham. they No creativity really and the album was out of the game. I think mean, he had one chance and that was it. You you are right, like, we've got a few decent fixtures coming up. The only one I'm worried about is the City away game in Game Week twenty five. But this run of six fixtures takes in Cardiff at home, Huddersfield away, Southampton at home, and Bournemouth at home, and in the blank of Game Week twenty seven. Um he solves a bit of a captaincy riddle, so he will um, be at home Southampton then when Mo Salah for example, is away at Man United. So I see why people were people are getting rid, but I I'm going to keep hold of him. I think, um, just cause he's one of those players. He's a bit like Hazard in my mind now. Like he can just kind of explode any game, but um, you know, Arsenal really needs to be in the mood and give him service. If if he gets no service, does nothing. If Gwen Doozy is trying to loft through balls through that go off. The corner flag. We're not going to be uh, looking at any massive returns for Bamyang, apart from from jamminess, basically for the time being. But I'm keeping him because I had to get rid of somebody. Basically, and Kane was a bit more expensive. um Also, on people going out, there Nick just finished off the section. You've got uh, Wilson being sold by seventy-eight thousand people. Could be interesting, Wilson, if he does go to Chelsea, six point six million for the Chelsea striker. That could be pretty good. Elsewhere, on the Chelsea boys, uh, we've got Alonso sold by sixty-seven thousand people now, Nick. So people are. Maybe moving elsewhere with him after a yet more frustration and uh Eden Hazard 55,000 transfers out. Uh, What's your view on the Chelsea boys being sold? Um, I know they've got Arsenal up next, but then they've got Bournemouth and help Huddersfield in games 24 and 25, which could surely come back to haunt sellers.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think for me, this is probably another case where I, I'd. You know, preach patience, and and I'm going to be actually going into that Arsenal game doubled up on um, on Chelsea players because, like I said, Arsenal have been pretty uh, pretty damn dreadful, I'm afraid, uh, uh, Tom, defensively at least this season. You know, they're conceding constantly. They conceded five against Liverpool. Um, it's, they could easily be um, hammered um, by uh, by Chelsea as well. Potentially, I'm not saying they can, but you know, in terms of um, goals conceded this season, they're uh, they're sick firm um, in terms of all teams, so you know, only Huddersfield, Southampton, Cardiff, Bournemouth, Burnley, and Fulham have conceded more than them. So you know they haven't looked particularly strong defensively. I know um, you've had a bit of an injury crisis, but still, you know they, you know they they look very fragile at the back. And um, for me, I think you know there's definitely the chance of attacking returns for those Chelsea boys in that game. And then, like you said, they've got Bournemouth away, who have been an even poorer defence, um, and Huddersfield at home, who also look, um, you know who are bottom of the league and and, in really bad shape so I think there's the potential for attacking returns in all three of those fixtures for me for both of those players and uh, clean sheets as well for Alonso so for me for me there still holds
1: yeah no I get that I think I kept hazard for this uh, time period just you know just never never captain him but he's going to stay as uh, ultimate test of my luck really here nick you're guaranteed a 15 pointer for alonzo because i've sold him now yep definitely uh, <laughs> right uh, let's move on to the zombie league then uh, we're just going to quickly do this this week this way we check on the process While well as shambling zombies run by our unspecified family members no chips no transits, no changes i'm not going to date the league every week from now on we're going to kind of do it every month or so um so we did that last week going to leave it for a few weeks now but uh nick how did your zombies do this week um still got any players In uh, in action or you're all done.
0: I've got uh, Riyad Mahrez in the in the shambling zombies, but I don't think he's actually had any game time again today. So yeah, not not great for my. uh... My zombies yet again, uh, 47 points, which um, is sort of par for the course, I guess, for them. Um, Salah got 22 points, the captain, so he kind of bailed them out yet again. But apart from that, there wasn't really anything to, to shout about, to apart from David Luiz, who's sort of been the, the key man in defence, the best defender that I picked out of all, all the bunch. You know, less said about Eric Bailly, the better. And uh, Michael Keane also getting them five points. But yeah, not too great again.
1: Yeah, uh, so a similar sort of story for me. Edison, uh, it looks like he's collecting a clean sheet for the first time in absolute ages. Ashley Young and Pereira, uh, my key man at the back, uh, do- doing the business. But other than that, you know, De Bruyne assist just now on that own goal for Conor Cody and Captain Aubameyang not doing anything consigns him to just 35 this week. And the final thing to catch up with is the All-England team. Um, this was our team of fully English assets uh, based on the halcyon days of uh, his coming home during last uh, last summer. All right, this week uh, Captain Kane. Um, so unfortunately, it didn't really work out. But Raheem Sterling has got an assist for one of the uh, for, for the penalty this evening. Other than that, Alexander Arnold, Pickford, and Wan Bissaka got them points this week. But just the forty for them. It's Luke Shaw on the bench of eight points. We played Trippier um, over over Luke Shaw and uh, Craig Kafkart as well, third on the bench of six points. Okay, let's take a break there, guys, and move on to the community session. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Unique New York. <laughs>
0: so we're back and it's uh time to catch up with the who got the assist mini league if you haven't joined the league already the code is 516-441 so yeah um well it's it's tough to provide a full update at the moment obviously with the manchester city game still going on uh but looks like it's, it's still the mendigos at the, at the top of the league um Salva ibarra who's who got 80 points um this game week um Brilliant score yet again for him. And, uh, yeah, up to 28th overall rank, which is pretty damn brilliant. You know, Salah captain, Luca Dean, double Liverpool defence, which is, is, you know, a great call. Um, So he got nine points from Fabianski, nine from Robertson, six from TAA. Dean got him 12, Salah got him 22, Rashford 7. Hazard five, Pogba five. You know, looks like an absolutely brilliant team on paper. So yeah, well done, Salva. But he's got a few people on his tail. Um, he's got uh, Chris McCartney just behind him. He's on uh, sixty-four points uh, this game week with a hazard caps and see that perhaps, you know, no no Salah in his team, but you know, pretty decent otherwise. Luca Dean, Robertson, Vaviansky again, um, Sane as well for Manchester City. So yeah, pretty decent score and. Um, yeah, you've got Alex um, Suarez, our as well, just behind him as well, um, with Asala 22, Luca Dean um, again, and TAA Fabianski. Um, a lot of the same players up there. But yeah, well done. Well done, those guys. Um, Scott Martin with B in fourth, and Nate Thomas, Adida, Oscar in fifth, making up the top five at this moment in time.
1: Uh, Yeah, well done, guys. Well done. All right, let's move on to the questions then this week. first one is from Deepak um, who asks, if we tend to stick with the plan or go with form the most? So he was saying he was planning to sell VP Anderson this week but saw enough in performance to suggest he'll be a good one. So he's kind of decided to veer veer from his plan after seeing with the eye test that the player looks like he could uh, really perform against Bournemouth. Um, Nick, do you want to go first then? We spoke about your caution a little bit already, perhaps your relaxation a little bit. Um, Do you tend to go with form or do you tend to stick with your plan when you're deciding your transfers?
0: I think you definitely have to consider form. I think form is really important when you're, you're deciding your transfers. It's all well and good sort of looking at, you know, the next three, four game weeks saying, I'm going to be doing this move then, and then I'm going to bring bringing this player in because he's got this game. And then I'm going to be selling this player because, you know, he's playing Arsenal, just an example again. And then you actually go back to it and you think, hold on a second, Arsenal have been terrible defensively in the last three game weeks um, whilst perhaps in the circumstance Hazard scored you know three games in a row so maybe I won't sell Hazard now and maybe I'll actually stick with it but that's just an example perhaps of you know when the plans can be molded it's it's, it's very good and it's always a good idea to have a plan and an idea of where you're going Um, but you have to kind of review the bigger picture at the end of the day and, and see and you know change your plan if, if a player is looking good you know like Felipe Anderson perhaps did perform really well he didn't get any returns but he definitely had a number of chances maybe it's worth considering um holding on to him whilst Richardson did you know perform pretty badly so if you own Richardson and Felipe Anderson you might have originally planned to sell Anderson and switch to um uh, to sell Richardson.
1: I'm not too sure I'd be selling Rashard Sunday. I mean, he did look pretty dangerous. They had a, a shot clear off the line for the second week in a row, mm-hmm. and he is doing pretty well in terms of the shot metrics. It's just he doesn't seem to be attuned to that central role, does he? Doesn't? No. It's second cool.
0: second half season syndrome, isn't it, with um, Rashardson? After I think he spent the entire second half of the season uh, at Watford not scoring at all. So hopefully that doesn't happen with him again.
1: Still top, for example, over the last six game weeks for shots in the box of sixteen. That's head and shoulders above. Oh, well, it's your man actually, Willie Ann, in second, who tipped on last week's pods and subsequently scored. Um he's had also um the second most big chances in the last six. Um so you know, you've you've definitely got a case there to keep hold of him. At six point nine with the fixtures for Everton ahead, like they've got Southampton, Huddersfield, Wolves, and Watford next four. So they they're all fairly winnable fixtures for them you got to hope that 2-0 gives them some coherence because they were looking a little, bit, uh, a little bit stilted, a little bit kind of uh, stodgy before uh, before the game week. But it wasn't the best of performances, so you've got to hope that in the next game they uh, they really turn it around because you were expecting a bit more from from the Everton assets during that game, although Luca Dean, of course, uh, did a very, very good performance. Um, for me, I think it is about I've got to be better at <coughs> picking out the form. Like, I went all the way to sticking with the plan over Christmas and, yeah, I should have just brought in Salah a lot quicker uh, so you know it's, it's a fine line between risk and reward that managers have to tread and trying to get the balance right is, is an internal kind of issue for us and sometimes you do get it right sometimes you do get it wrong and uh, you know sometimes uh, as uh, with Nick's kind of example uh, this season doing nothing is actually the best thing to be doing all right next question then Nick uh, with uh, City winning 3-0 tonight Um, this topical question FPL Logic asked about Kun as a Came replacement perhaps not so much now that he was resting Gabriel Jesus scored two goals and uh, I guess generally we're just talk about whether City are uh, worth a look again with a lot of their options now and um, you know Ster- Sterling and Sarney, for example are hovering around the 10% ownership mark these are huge differentials aren't they for people
0: yeah, for sure. And uh, I'm 100% actually um, considering uh, looking in a Manchester City uh, direction. Uh, this game, we can tell my transfers, uh, perhaps Sterling would be the one that I would recommend um, most out of all. But there's also um, Leroy Sane, of course, who I think is a great pick. I, you know, we all saw Aguero annihilate Huddersfield at the beginning of the season. And if anything, Huddersfield actually look at even weaker now. Um, They've just announced tonight actually that the uh, the manager David Wagner, is um, leaving, and I think that's going to sort of really really expose them. But you know, uh, with Agüero, he he was supposedly out out of the game because sickness. Whether he comes back in next game, but he was on the bench still, and uh, it depends. You know, whether he comes back in next game week after Jesus's um, brilliant performance is is a. Is a a dangerous question. I don't. I don't know if I'm willing to to risk a transfer on Agüero. If I'm not sure he's going to start, I'm sure that Jamie Jackson will have a tweet to send uh, <laughs> on Friday, and I'll be like, Friday, I'm in love, bring in Agüero. But uh, we'll have to see. For now, I think for me, still, I'm looking at the midfielders, St- uh, Sterling and Sane as uh, my two picks for Manchester City.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think the, uh, Sterling's definitely going to be played a lot more. They said a bit of a slump in form recently, but. Pep really can't afford to rest his best players and Sterling is uh, squarely one of those um, after tonight's performance. They've um, got Huddersfield, Newcastle and Arsenal in the next three. That's decent enough to, if you are kind of looking to, to make a difference in your mini-leagues, to be looking at certain players in the Man City team. Um, yeah, I probably agree with you that um, Sterling is a good idea. Sane for a short term might be a good idea as well. Keeping on Mendy though, Gabriel Jesus an interesting one there, Nick. 10.1 million. He scored two braces in a row and uh interesting Enough for Jesus. He's actually first. The big chances missed this season. One of my favourite stats: eleven chances missed. Ooh. So you've got to be thinking. You've got to be thinking that he just needed that little bit of confidence, perhaps, to to get the conversion that we're seeing now. But I mean, if Jesus has has uh, got the gig, like, would you have a look at it? And indeed, you know, with Pet Roulette, like, do you want to get involved again? I know you've got no City players, same as me at the moment.
0: Yeah, I would definitely consider it. I mean, Jesus also scored. Um, Four goals midweek. It's it's worth mentioning against against Burton in the League Cup, and yeah, he's definitely looking on form. And I I, I wouldn't be surprised if he started in the next game week for sure. You know, and at ten point one, you know, he, he does look a brilliant pick. But like you said, pet roulette is is that risk. I mean, no team has had more goal attempts. Um, this season for Manchester City with over 366 at this moment. You know, KDB and Mares are both benched. KDB seems to have actually fallen out with Pep, which is a bit of a worry for, for fans of KDB. But then he, he came off the bench and, and still managed to pick up an assist. And uh, yeah, and there's plenty of options in that team. But there is always that risk that that option you pick isn't necessarily going to start. But the next couple of fixtures for Manchester City, you've got Huddersfield, Newcastle before it gets tougher again with Arsenal and Chelsea. I think it is worth taking a gamble and bringing in the likes of Sterling and Sané if only if sort of you can fit it into your team and a lot of people with the Kane injury and it looking like Kane's out there is an opportunity to bring in another premium premium midfielder again or premium striker
1: yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. That's what I was thinking was behind the 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 Jimenez buys because at least that means you're making the money, making the space. So it's looking like kind of having Salah, having Hazard, and having Sterling as part of a power midfield three, Pogba too. Actually, um, is is looking like a, you could have a no, you could have a power four, couldn't you? So yeah,
0: then have Rashford as well and a decent defence.
1: Exactly, it's what it's what it lets you do at the moment, which is which is quite cool. Um, I don't know about Kun though. I think after him not playing tonight, you've got to be. On rotation, watch with him, and you've got to be thinking that the early season solidity uh, in the team is is all over there. Next question then, Nick, and it's about uh, enablers. Um, so Charles Hazel, your mum's athletic from FFS, asks, who are the top enablers at the moment? Uh, suggesting FFS Joe's man, uh, Jason Punchin at uh, 4.2. Um, Ashe Meta also suggests uh, Dwight McNeil. Um, so who are the cheaper guys that you're potentially going to be looking at if you, do, if you are in a situation where you need to get an enabler in, for example, I don't know, trying to get Mo Salah in?
0: So there are a few picks out there. I mean, Punch at 4.2, so yeah, Punchin if he's continuing to play and uh, then he's potentially a, a decent enabler that I know you, you mentioned on Twitter as well. Uh, but in terms of the, the sort of the picks that will kind of get you those two, three points at least every game week... My favourites are Kamarasa, um at 4.6, and with 33 chances created, it's actually more than anyone else at that price point. And then, um, you know, good old Phil Billing as well. Um, he's had more goal attempts than any other midfield at his price for 36. He's also got two goals to his name, and he's been unlucky, actually. Um, every time I watch him, he seems to rattle the crossbar with a, a shot from distance. So, um, yeah, those are kind of the ones that I would sort of recommend, I guess, uh, at, at the cheaper end. For myself, I, I actually had enough budget to to bring in uh, David Brooks, who I really like as well at five point zero. He's a real exciting prospect in the Premier League, um, and was unlucky to return um, having hit the post against Everton um, in the last game week.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think you know the, the reason I was, I put um, putting Ponchon on is because if you are in a situation where you are buying well-owned players in a top whack, so you know you've you own Salah at thirteen point zero, and I'm buying him at thirteen point four. You need to have a, a different sort of player to a camarassa to make it all work for you and pay that deficit, and you pay the difference. Like you are paying for a player to get you two points and in, in uh, punching, but. A 4.2, two points per game as value. The only one I'd also pick out is Hoiberg at uh, Southampton, back from suspension now, 4.4. Um, does like it, the odd howitzer. And he's had uh, seven attempts in the last six game weeks, um, considering he's been absent for a couple. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, that's a level with the likes of uh, Lingard and your man David Brooks. So long-range kind of shots, but at 4.4, you could hope to get something off the bench every now and again. They've got decent fixture run. and he seems kind of pretty nailed in that team as a box-to-box kind of guy and um, be a yeah, punching for me if, if I need the money
0: okay um, so, so the next questions um, about Alonzo we talked about him a little bit more um, a little bit earlier but FPL Rasmus asks for our Alonzo replacement do we downgrade a little bit and go for the likes of Luke Dean or Luke Shaw or a lot and then um, bring in Bednarek to, to free up a lot of funds
1: yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? So with with Alonso, it, it depends on your team situation. We'll say that all the time. So with that all said and done, uh, with Alonso, a lot of people may be in the spot now where you need to try to make 0.1, 0.2 available in order to pull off the moves you want to pull off. Uh, for me, that's certainly the case uh, with selling Alonso to bring in Van Dyke. Now, th- there is a little bit of reasoning behind why I bought in Van Dyke over TAA, for example. I just think he's, he is going to play every game, and he is a bonus magnet. Nick, he's actually second baseline bonus uh, this season behind David Luiz. Like at the start of the season, I kind of had him because I thought that he would be the main target for a lot of Liverpool's uh, set pieces. It didn't really turn out that way. But now it's looking like he's uh yeah, having an attempt every game, the pass completion, the CBI and things like that I mean that he is uh, he's he is racking up the bonus. So as long as Robbo doesn't do anything, he's uh, he's looking like the kind of the, the second best asset there to own, I guess. And I couldn't quite trust the Robbo, so I, I brought in Van Dyke. I can kind of see why you get Begnarak if you need the money desperately. 3.9, for, again, it's like punching territory, isn't it? Like 3.9 for a player who's going to get you two points every week. Why not? But Luca Dino for the next four, I think, would be the one that you probably should be looking at for a, a light, light player to some extent. You know, Southampton, Huddersfield, Wolves and Watford, the next four, as I mentioned, good enough. And I think the ownership now is probably reaching a level where you'd be looking at them thinking, yeah, I should probably get that guy in. If not, it's probably going to be TAA if you've uh, if you need to free up like a million or so. Um, but you're very much in favour of keeping hold of uh, the lusciously locked Marcos, aren't you, Nick?
0: I am in favour of keeping hold of him. But I do understand the the appeal of sending him, to be honest, especially if it's going to free up funds and, and you're looking of ways to to finance a big move, perhaps to bring in the likes of Mo Salah. And it's your only option because the rest of your team is so strong. But uh, I think in terms of the options, you, you mentioned Luke Dean. You know, I talked about him on the last pod. But I'm also actually quite a big advocate of um, TAA, to be honest, um, He's part of that Liverpool back line. I think he's quite a key part, though. It is worth mentioning Joe Gomez is going to be back from injury very soon. um, And he could be rotated again in that right-back slot, but maybe not if um, Dejan Lovren continues to have injury problems, which means that Joe Gomez plays in centre-back. But, I mean, Liverpool have just been brilliant um, this season in terms of defence um, with 13 clean sheets so far this season. And obviously Van Dijk has been absolutely brilliant as well and a key part of that. Um, Defense Uh, with TAA, I I, I really like his creative force that he is. He's on three kicks, Um, he's got a goal and three assists to his name as well. And he's only 5.2, which I think is really appealing um, in terms of him him so I think yeah definitely for me I think it's a case you can double up on the Liverpool defence as well Um as you saw the guys in the mini league have done that and, and they're doing brilliantly for it I obviously worry about people selling Marcus Alonso especially with his ownership I know now especially now Tom's sold him on a minus eight I can just see him next weekend mm. sit, sitting in a corner saying boys don't cry
1: right um, let's move on then um to to the final question this week which is before the sun falls uh, it's uh, Sumit Bujani and he asks who comes in for son and um, and uh, it's definitely something you've been grappling with, so I'll let you take it away.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've, I've kind of been experimenting with quite a few um, moves, to be honest. So I don't really have a, a, a decent answer, I'm afraid, to meet at this moment in time, because I'm not too certain myself. Because uh, you could either, I mean, it depends a lot on the rest of your team. For me, I'm, it's quite critical, it feels like, to bring in Rashford. So there, are, there are two options in terms of how I bring in Rashford. One, I could sell. I could go for the perhaps the the less risky approach and and sell Danny Ings um, for uh, Rashford, and also because I've got Son sell Son, and that gives me about a six million pound budget or six point four million in total. And around that price point, the the one that I was really looking at and quite keen on was um, Roberto Pereira. Um, yeah, Tom. Gave quite a really good speech about Pereira last game week, actually, which I. um, would recommend you listen to if you haven't already. But he has been uh, Watford's talisman for sure this season. He's been pretty um you know pretty key asset and uh, done really well. Six goals and four assists to his name so far. And, and they're also playing Burnley at home next game week. Uh, and Burnley have been one of the weakest defenses in the league this season. They they've been pretty poor. Um, and uh, yeah, I can I can definitely see attacking returns for Pereira. Um, in the cheaper options, you've got Nasri, who we saw in the market forces possible option at five point five. And I know you're also quite a big fan of them, um, Dale Lafeo Tom as well at the same price and um, who's been performing pretty well and um, last few game weeks, uh, for Watford. The uh, the other option that I mentioned that I'm thinking about and grappling with is um, is selling Obamiang actually. Um yeah. and this way if I sell Obamiang for Ashford that frees up a lot of money and, and enables me to get in sterling because i do want to and i really like the idea of covering manchester city for that um game against huddersfield so in terms of a premium asset a premium swap you can look at that sort of thing and think actually i could make this a bigger move and sell son and get in um, an expensive um, manchester city player and then downgrade if you own kane and he's injured you could downgrade kane um or you could downgrade or to to Rashford if you don't own him. But that, that's kind of my my path at the moment. I know there's also other Spurs options as well that people talked about um, Lamella and Lucas Moura. Um, I'm not too because they've got quite a nice fixture against Fulham up next. I'm not too sure about that personally. To be honest, um, I do worry that Spurs are going to be um, slightly weaker in in the midfield, and I'm, not, and I'm not convinced that those guys have it have what it takes to sort of to get, you know, holes in FPL, I'd probably be looking more at maybe Delhi Alley and Christian Eriksen if you if you really were looking to to still cover spurs.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think with um, with Sissoko going out injured, I think the worry with Eriksen would be that he kind of falls a bit deeper into the deep line playmaker role. Um, with Ali, though, there's definitely something there. Like I've always been an Ali man. I've uh, always remembered, for example, he got a hat-trick of braces a couple of years ago, and I brought him in and captained him against Chelsea for a brace, which was obviously delicious. And there's five very good fixtures to come put Fulham away, Watford at home, Newcastle at home, Leicester at home, and Burnley away. And, uh, you know, in the past, um, it's been seen that when Kane's been out, Ali has been the man to step forward, play that uh, shadow striker role. And he definitely was a lot more advanced to the eye, wasn't he, uh, this week uh, against United. So, you know, a little bit better finishing, uh, less amazing performance from De Gea. And you could easily get a hatful there. And it could be a bit of a template breaker, that couldn't it, to some extent, if he does take on that kind of role?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think the other advantage of... Ali for the next few game weeks, at least, is is going to be nailed because Son's going to be not playing as well. Kane's potentially not going to be playing. You know, Ali's going to be one of the key men, one of the key talisman for Spurs in the next game week, next few game weeks. And if they can maintain their form and he links up well with Eriksen he could be a really decent pick. So yeah, he'd definitely be one that I would kind of look at as as a template breaker. And you know, if you get on Ali. He, early and quickly you could see yourself jumping up those ranks he's only yeah because Ali's only 2.9% owned so like hardly any, anyone owns him and you know he hasn't had the greatest season FPL wise only four goals and two assists to his name you know far below what he got in 2016-17 where he was the second highest scoring midfielder with 18 goals and 11 assists second only to, to Alexis Sanchez so we we do know that he's got in his locker for brilliant FPL performances It hasn't sort of worked out for him so far this season, but you know, I definitely wouldn't write him off as a player, and I'd certainly consider him as an option.
1: Oh, definitely not. All right, then, cool. Uh, let's move on then. Uh, so, transfers and captains. you've already mentioned you're uh, you're dealing with a SON issue at the moment. You're not too sure where you're going to go. It would be interesting to see where you kind of land on by Friday. Uh, for me, it's uh, I've taken the say already. Um, yeah. And uh, I've brought in, uh, just to mention again, uh, Van Dyke, Salah, Efferidge, and uh, Rashford, And I've removed uh, Kane, Martial. Alonzo and Fabianski, so watch for that to hit me by 40 points <laughs> next week. Yeah. Uh, Salah, Sal- Sal- perma-captain though, um, so hopefully it'll all work out eventually, right? It's got to. And um, There's a theme every week, last time it was wrestling, of course, with the excellent Adam Hopcroft, apologies for laying on a bit thick, and uh, Jeremy Lewis in Hong Kong uh, got that first through the Asian Advantage, I uploaded that on midnight on Sunday, and he got it within about 20 minutes, so yeah, a bit unfair, but not- nonetheless, uh, well done.
0: Yep, um, sure, well done, Jeremy me and just to reiterate who we are we are who got the assist you can find us on twitter um, at wgta underscore fpl online that's who got the assist.com and if you want to join our league the league code is 516-441
1: Cool. We'll be joined next week uh, by Ryan from Fancy Yerma uh, from Northern Ireland. I'll be doing my uh, my best to pronounce that properly throughout the podcast, otherwise you'll get very annoyed with me. Dallas, it'll be good fun and we're really looking forward to it. But for now, we hope this assists you and we'll speak to you next week. Goodbye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist?
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.